You're going to be the hero, Daddy. You're always my hero. Well, happy Father's Day to all of our dads that are here today and to the dads that will be watching later on online. Uh, we love you, and you are our heroes. Welcome to our guests also. We're so glad you're here today sharing uh, not only uh, Father's Day with, with us, but also uh, the Lord's Day. So Now, I, I say that knowing that represented in this family this morning, there's going to be highs and lows when it comes to Father's Day, or particularly when it comes to fathers. There's going to be some big wins for some, and others there's going to be a lot of hurt on a day like today. And, um, you know, we're all on this scale somewhere of living between the best dad with the best memories, you know, anybody could ever imagine, and then really uh, with the dad or memories that, you know, not so much. But there's on the table today, and this is what we're going to be focusing on, that we're not focusing today on what we don't have. We're going to focus today on what we do have. And it's possible for all of us to leave this place today with the conviction, with the understanding, with the belief that we are loved sons and daughters of the father that you've always wanted, a perfect father. It was A.W. Tozer who has written, what comes to, uh, into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So on a personal level, what you think in your mind when, when the, the topic or the thought of God comes up is the most important thing to you because he goes on to say this, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So what we think about God is how we move our lives that way. That if we have a flawed view of God, you can see how it could result in a flawed life. So it's so essential that we get this right. And I love the fact that God didn't just leave us down here to our own imaginations to figure it out. God is not silent in this conversation, and he's been revealing himself and showing us who he is, and he never did that more clearly than when Jesus Christ actually stepped in onto the planet Earth. And the scriptures tell us about Jesus in Hebrews 1, that the Son, or Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact image of his being. So God, uh, Jesus is God personified in human flesh. So if you want to see what God is like, then look to Jesus. And we see Jesus also teaching us a lot of things about God. He teaches us that God is the creator. He says, back in the beginning, when God created them, he created them male and female, uh, and that they were made uh, in the image of God. Jesus teaches us God's a creator. He also teaches us that God is all-powerful. He says, uh, I could ask my father, and he could just send thousands and thousands of angels to my rescue. He teaches us that God is a king, that God is a judge, that he's the Lord of all creation, and he also teaches us one thing about God above anything else. More than 150 times, it's recorded in the Gospels alone, Jesus teaches us one thing about God. The one thing that he teaches us more than anything else is that God is a father. He's a father. And, and, and very much importantly, you know, he wants us to know that God is to be your father. That God is to be your father and to be my father. When Jesus is teaching... If you remember, you uh, he's asked, oh, would you teach us to pray? And he said, here's how you are to pray. And he says this, our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Again, we're told that in John 14, Jesus said this about the Father. Uh, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, yes, you've seen the Lord. Yes, you've seen uh, the, the Almighty. But you've also seen then the Father. Jesus, again, in John 10, it's recorded that he said, I and the Father are one. So you go through all the events of the life of Jesus and in all the important moments, you see Jesus referring to God as the Father. Even while he was on the cross, we're told that he called out with a loud voice. John, uh, Luke, excuse me, Luke 23 tells us that he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he finished this, he breathed his last. So Jesus is teaching us that God is a father. He's to be our father. But here's the deal. When we have broken fathers on earth, when we have broken relationships with our fathers on earth, that's not the best news for so many. But Jesus isn't teaching us that God is like your father. What he's teaching us is something even greater than that. He's teaching us that God is a perfect father. And so what Jesus wants us to see today is that God is not a bigger vision or version of your dad. He is the perfect version of your dad. He's the father that you've always wanted. He's the perfection of your dad in every way that you can ask or even begin to imagine. Secondly, then, Jesus has made a way for us to become part of God's family. He tells us you need to be born again. You need to be born again, to be born into a new family, a way to God, to your father. Jesus has made that way. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, he came to Jesus at night and was asking him, what is God doing in you? Why are you here? What are you about? And we're told Jesus replies in John 3, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus knew that the kingdom of God was language for no one can see heaven. No one can see God Almighty unless they are born again. And part of being born again, then, is that we receive then a new dad, a heavenly dad. You get a perfect father. Everyone who comes through Jesus, he's saying, you, you come through me that you're going to get the father that you've always wanted. Look at John chapter 1 as uh the Apostle John is telling us about what Jesus is going to do. He's summarizing his mission. He says, to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in Jesus' name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So not only do we enter into the kingdom of God. Not only do we get to go to heaven when we die, but we get a birthright even now to literally become a child of God the Father. The Apostle John went on to write in 1 John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then I love how he emphasizes this here. He's really showing us that we need to get this. He said, and that is what you are. That's what you are. Now, we've got all these things going for us. We've got God is a father. He's a perfect father. That That he can be your father. He can be my father through us being born again into the family of God. Well, how does that take place? Well, it takes place when we get in Christ Jesus, that upon our belief in what God is doing in Jesus, 
And then as we're willing to confess Jesus as Lord, when we allow ourselves then to be baptized, we are baptized into now the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we rise from those waters, our sins will have been forgiven. And then the Spirit of God comes and lives then within us. And particularly today then, men, those of us who are fathers, you can become a good father as you relish in the fact, as you realize who you are, that you are a loved son now of a perfect father. That's to be your primary uh, identity. Not men, what you do for a living. Not that you uh, have all these accomplishments you could list on a resume or that you can uh, put on a ledger in a portfolio of all that you've accumulated and done. But that even more than that, you are a child then of God. Your primary identity is that I'm in Christ through that death, burial, and resurrection that I've experienced. And now I'm living as a loved son of a perfect father. For all who are born again, and so love sons, love daughters, that's who we are. And so uh, that's the power that comes in the gospel, that we can live our lives from that perspective, even uh, this afternoon as we uh, are heading out of here and into the week that God has in store for us. That we know that in Christ, I'm a, I'm a loved son. I'm a loved daughter. That's who I am. And then the starting point for someone who wants to be a hero to his wife, a hero to his kids, that who wants to be able to fight for his family, is to realize it from that position that I'm a loved son of God. We see how this has worked out both for uh, daughters and for sons by looking at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. This is a chapter 5, just an awesome chapter that really lays out all of life before us. Uh, where it begins by saying this in verse 1, Therefore, as you come into the family of God now, be imitators of God. And how do you do that? You do it as beloved children. And in this then, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So to be imitators of God, how do we do it? We all do it as being dearly loved or beloved children. So the way that we become imitators of God and dads as we become heroes to our wives and our families is by learning to live out uh, our lives as a beloved child of God. Getting into that posture then. Having been born again, we've now got God's DNA in us. Our, our spiritual being inside of us then has a propensity. It has a capacity to grow up and to begin to look like our Heavenly Father. So the third thing that I'd like you to see this morning is that in this we are to hear God speaking His approval now over our lives. To hear God speaking His approval over your life. Don't you love that moment in Jesus' life where Jesus came to be baptized by John? He's showing John uh, and, and to us He's like, this is my overture. This is what I'm going to do a work here, but before I do it, I'm going to show you uh, some of the results of what I'm going to do. Because this is how you are going to enter into the kingdom of God. This is how you can become then a child of God. And so he goes to John the Baptist, his cousin. He says, I want to be baptized. And John says, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And she says, no, 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 we're going to do this 
for righteousness sake. This is the right thing to do. I'm going to be an example for all the people. This is how you can believe in me then. You can follow after me. You can become a child of God like I am. This is what you are to do. And we're told in verse 16 of Matthew 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of that water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And we're told a voice from heaven uh, said, this is my Son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. So imagine this in Jesus' life, this moment. He's 30 years old now, we're told. Uh, he's at the very beginning of his ministry. And all we really know up to this point is pretty simple. We know he's born in Bethlehem. We know that as uh, the King Herod tries to take him out, uh, he and dad and mom, they have to flee down to Egypt. Then they come up out of Egypt after Herod's out of the picture, goes to Nazareth. We're told there he is in submission then, in obedience to his parents. When he's 12 years old on one of the trips then, as he heads to the festival uh, at the temple in Jerusalem, he's lost there, and then, of course, he's found. So he's doing church, you know, with the family. And we know that he grows up, we're told, in favor and in stature with God and with man. Uh, he's a builder. He's, he's a carpenter. He learns his trade from his father. So we can see him in his father's workshop working there and then working out on sites. And, and, and really, uh, you know, he's a man's man. That's, that's all we know about him. Even though that's all we know about him, out of heaven then comes this voice. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Why is he so pleased? I mean, in reality, in light of what Jesus is going to do, he ain't done nothing yet. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't walked on water. He hasn't fed the 5,000. He hasn't resisted temptation and testing out in the wilderness with the devil himself. He hasn't healed the sick yet. He hasn't raised the dead. Hasn't died on the cross is his, his greatest uh, work. Why is the Father so pleased? The Father is saying, I am so pleased because this one is mine. He's mine. Oh, later on, Jesus will walk on water. We know that. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead, feed the 5,000, care for people who are left behind. We know he did go to a cross for us, and he took the punishment uh, that we deserve for our sins. He took it upon himself, and he gave us then life in doing that as a gift so that you and I could be forgiven, we could be free, we can be brought into the family of God. But God loved him and accepted him before he did any of that. Because this love is not performance-based. It's positionally based. This is my son. And the power then of Jesus' life as a son of Almighty God living here on planet Earth was that he moved through life from the Father's acceptance and not for the Father's acceptance. He wasn't trying to earn his Father's love and his Father's acceptance of him. And he's showing us today that, yes, Dad, you can do great things, Dad. You can go, you can accomplish, you can build some great things, you can lead uh, men and women into great things. Uh, and that, yes, you can leave a legacy then for your family, but we do it, man, the things that we're wired to do by God, not so that we can get our Father's approval, but because we already have the greatest approval that anyone could ever have. That I'm going to follow Jesus' example, doing it as a dearly loved child of God. 
walking then in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I'm going to be an imitator of God, but I'm going to be an imitator of God to the degree that I see myself first as a dearly loved child, knowing I'm a son of a father who takes great delight in me, who sees me, who always wants to be involved in my life, who wants to show up in my story and wants to affirm me just because I am his. I think we all want that, don't we? The beauty of what Jesus has done is just uh, uh, worked down through chapter 5 then of that book of Ephesians. And uh, uh, everything that a guy struggles with, everything that we need, every real-life struggle that a man faces is in that chapter. And every real-life hope that a woman would have, that a child would have, from a husband, from their dad, from their hero— is in this chapter. The hope of the church is in this chapter. It's all right there. So it's so important that we get first who we are and that we walk out of, that we live out of who God wants us to be because the world's waiting for that. But it starts with you, Dad, being a dearly loved child of God and knowing it and living out of it. I mean, I think any man here today I don't think there's anyone here that's too big of a man who's too hardened in his heart, too calloused, too prideful uh, to not say, I, I, that, that's what I want. That's really what I need. I need to know more than anything else in this world that I'm a dearly loved son of a father, my heavenly father. And from that, I know I've got everything that I need. Look again, Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So wherever you go, men, God's going to be beside you. He's going to, your dad here on earth may not have been able to do that. He may not even be here today to do that. But, you, but your heavenly Father, he's going to always be there. He's going to be by your side. He's always going to have your six. He's always going to cover you with his canopy of love, no matter what you do or you don't do. His approval is always going to be there. Now, he may have to adjust that a bit. He may have to help you with that decision, adjust your direction a little bit. There can be some discipline coming there, but it's always only going to be for your good. And you're going to be walking in that, but he's saying this. This one right here, he's mine. He's born of God. He's a son of mine, a son of the king. And slowly but surely, he's looking more and more like my son, Jesus. He's my son. He's my boy. I'm proud of him. I love him. With all I, I am well pleased. And he's looking more and more like me every day. Let me leave you with this real quick. Okay, dads, let's go ahead and get started, guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're going to try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight, we've also got a guest with us, David. And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hey, guys. I'm David. David. Hey, hey, hey. How many kids do you have, David? None. 
at least not at the moment. Uh, my wife is pregnant, and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. So Super. Oh, great. Awesome. Who'd like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd? Yes. My daughter and I went to the mall, and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. And I said, I don't trust stairs because they're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Okay. Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Jerry, Jerry that Jerry. joke is dead on arrival. Because it's the last thing I need. David, how about you? Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't say this is a safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it. Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. M-I-S-T. Oh, You're a monster. This is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb. <laughs> I'm gonna be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah. So I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. It's no surprise being a dad is no joke. And Dad, you are our heroes, and there's no surprise there as you follow then after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, pointing us to him, becoming more and more like our Heavenly Father. So thank you, God, for all the men of Pleasant Hill Christian Church. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can address you as Father. And for the gift of your son, Jesus, who's made a way possible to be brought into your family, that we can do it rightly, uh, that we can do it uh, honestly, um, as we've been born again. We can hardly comprehend all, all that that has taken and, and the reality of that. But help us, Lord, to live out of that. And uh, I pray, Lord, for every dad here that wants to be all that he can be for his kids and how we fail so often, Lord. Help us to, to just be able to just jump right back up and to just continue to walk after then, uh, after Jesus, after uh, our Heavenly Father. To know that you're right there, you provided everything necessary for us to, uh, to continue to just move on in life. Pray for all the uh, the scars, Lord, that have been left by times when uh, we've been harmed by our fathers. Uh, we know that uh, uh, you worked in them and that, uh, like all of us, we've, we've failed. It, 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 it's a, a point of maturity when, 
we finally realize that our mom and our dads, they're, they're people too. And um, we pray that you would help us to, uh, to lift our eyes up high, to lift them up for all that they've done for us. And we pray that you would help each of the fathers here today, Lord, that you would help us to just do our very, our very best. And even in the midst of uh, difficult times when, when, when it's not that great, Lord, that we show them the example that uh, we still just lay ourselves before you, wanting you to, uh, uh, to bring healing, wanting you to uh, empower us so that we can uh, point them to you uh, in your great love. I thank you for each man that's here today. I pray that they would continue to develop and uh, to grow in Christ, and we will give you all the glory for that, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. So we come to our time, uh, each Lord's Day of Communion. Uh, we're going to stand together. We'll begin by singing Mighty to Save, and then we'll uh, have a scripture reading and prayer, and we'll celebrate uh, communion together. I need to let you know, remind you that Christ is the one who's hosting this, not, not Pleasant Hill. We consider it an honor to be able to do this with him, and uh, he has a couple of requirements. One, he says, I want you to remember what I've done in this, to remember that in the bread you'll, you are to see then that's my body given, that in the cup you're to see that that's my blood that I've shed for you. And so if you are able to remember, meaning that you believe in Jesus and what he's done, uh, he then says, I want you to examine yourself while you do this in light of uh, having a holy God, and uh, that we're uh, sinners, that we would uh, be mindful of that and be thankful that he's given us a Savior than Jesus. Great time to to come in prayer, to ask for uh, forgiveness, to confess sin, to repent. Just a marvelous time. So let's look forward to what God is going to do. Let's stand together and sing Mighty to Save. 